0: Booking your safari 101. This is the WildEye Podcast. Hey everybody, my name is Jerry, I'm from WildEye. And in this episode I thought I'm going to take it back to basics. I'm talking foundational basics, basics, basics. Where this comes from is over the last few weeks... A lot of people have been in touch with questions about safaris. Now, some of them want me to help them book it through WildEye. Other people might have booked it already, yet they follow myself and some of the guys on Instagram, and they have questions about the trip that they've booked already. Now, some of the questions is, well, it's basically what led me to record this episode. So for those of you that are in the know, you might laugh at some of the questions, but you know, you've been there, you understand and in the past, we've had questions, my logistics team has had things like, uh, I'm booked on the migration with you guys, could I potentially do a day trip to see the gorillas? Or uh, someone might be booked in Zimbabwe, in Pools, and they say, I'm there for two weeks, can I do a day trip to Cape Town? Now, it might sound silly if you know, but if you don't know, it's a very normal question. And the reason I think that we need to look at these things, the 101, the very basics of booking a safari, is the more you know, the better it's going to be. You're not going to be stuck at the airport, for example. You arrive there, you get off the plane, you get your luggage, you walk outside and you think, okay, cool, where's my lodge transfer? Well, a couple of things. You didn't book one because the lodge isn't close to the city. You need to fly there or drive there and then the transfer. Those kind of things. Again, some of you might not think about it because you've done it before or you work with a company like us who does top to bottom everything for you. Okay, so before I kind of just scratch open some of the questions I received this last week, let me just run you through a basic safari itinerary from start to finish, from the moment you get on the plane at home until you get on the plane leaving the country wherever your safari is. Right, so you've done your planning, you've done your own bookings and things like that. Assuming now, for this itinerary I'm gonna to speak to you, everything has been arranged for you, okay? Everything's in place, this is the ideal. So you would arrive at the international airport, wherever you are going to. Let's use South Africa, for example. You're going to arrive at Oliver Tambo. From there, you're going to arrive. You're going to, first, you're going to get to passport control. You're going to do your thing there. And then you're going to get your luggage. When you walk out, at this stage, one of two things will happen. Either you are going to check into one of the hotels at the airport. In this instance, Intercontinental or City Lodge right? Because depending where you come from, you might have to spend the night and then the next day depart for your safari adventure. All right, that's option one, is you're going to check in at a hotel. Both of those are walking distance from the arrival. Now, second option is if you booked, for example, a private guided safari, myself or one of my guys will pick you up and we would start your adventure with us. We've got you then. If you've just got a normal departure, we might have arranged a transfer for you. If it's a road transfer to something like Madikwe, Or if you have a local flight booked, then you would transfer from the terminal to the small terminal from where these small flights depart from. Now, and guys, remember, I'm going super basic here. You must remember that if you fly into the country, South Africa, for example, your lodge is not close to that big airport. The closest safari destination that we operate out of from Oliver Tambo is at least a four hour drive away or a 40 minute flight. Okay, so if you're looking at options of where to stay, understand these are two separate entities. Number one, on the one side, you have the arrival at the airport in the city, and then on the other side, you have the lodge experience. Those have to be linked, either by a road transfer or by a flight. All right, now that we've got that, so you've arrived, you either spent the night at a hotel at the airport, depending on your arrival time, or you transfer directly to your lodge. If you spent the night at the airport, you would still then, the next day, transfer or fly into your lodge. Now, if you fly into your, your safari destination, let's say Madikwe, for example, or the Sabi Sands, Mala Mala, whichever. If you fly in, you would land on a dirt airstrip in the actual reserve. At which point, your safari guide or one of the guides from the lodge where you are staying will fetch you at the airstrip. They will be there. You'll unload your luggage, you'll get on the open Safari viewer, those things that you see on Instagram, you'll get on that, and you'll transfer from the airstrip to the actual lodge where you are staying. Okay, now that transfer can take anything from four minutes to half an hour, depending, even more, depending on which reserve you're going to. Okay, they would pick you up at the airstrip and will transfer you to the lodge. Let me jump back. If you road transfer, if we arrange a road transfer or you drive with me or one of my guides, you will then leave Johannesburg And you would arrive at the lodge in a vehicle, either a transfer vehicle or with one of us. At this point, what would happen? Whether you arrive by plane or you arrive by road, the lodge would welcome you. There's front of house. They'd welcome you with a drink, a hot towel probably. They'd sit you down. They'll sign all the indemnities and stuff like that. And they'll tell you the running of the lodge. So you're in the main building now, right? They will tell you how everything works. They're gonna show you this is where the meals happen. They'll give you a quick rundown of what time game drives are. And then from there, someone will take you to your room and they'll show you around there, how everything works. Now, some of these lodges, quite a few of them, are not fenced. So you don't necessarily walk around on your own from the lodge to the room or back. In the day, it's normally fine because there's people around. But in the evening, they suggest, we suggest, that you have someone that walks to and from the room. Okay, from there on, let me just carry on. You then do the game drive activities out of the lodge. Every day, there's a morning game drive and there's an evening game drive. Okay, so you would in the morning and your lodge will tell you what times you would meet at the, uh, at the main lodge for coffee. You would get on the vehicle with your guide and you would drive and go and do game viewing. Look for the animals, see the animals and so on and so forth. All right, after that, you'll come back. you probably stop out there for some coffee with your guide, it's all safe. You'll drive back to the lodge at which point there's a full breakfast. Now, for those of you that want to lay at the pool and chill back at your room, because they're really cool rooms normally, you then have time off in the day, generally from about 10, 10.30 through like three, okay? Some lodges will serve for lunch, others will only have a high tea, so you've got the middle of the day to go and chill and do your thing. In the afternoon then, you'll come back to the main lodge, where you'll have high tea with your guide, and you'll go off on your evening game drive, right? you go on your evening game drive have drinks out there at some stage, hopefully find some cool sightings to look at and photograph. You'll come back to the main lodge at about 7, 7.30, again, depending on where you are staying. And then it's dinner. After dinner, someone will escort you normally back to your room, and then you spend the night. And this repeats depending how many days you go for. There might be small variances, like some lodges might leave later. You could do a day drive, depending on where you are, but that's kind of the run of the mill. Now, when you are then finished at the lodge and you check out your last morning, you'll go on game drive, you'll come back, you'll have a shower, pack your bags, have breakfast, and then the entire episode will reverse. If you are flying back to Johannesburg International to go home, your guide or someone from the lodge will drive you to the dirt airstrip. Remember, this is not traffic and stuff. This is in the bush, right? This is wild. There's elephants and shit running around. Okay, so they'll drive you to the airstrip, the flight will come in, And don't worry, the lodge will manage all of the times. They'll say to you the flight's half an hour later or earlier, and they'll manage you to get there on time. You will then fly back to Johannesburg, land at the small terminal from where you would need to take a transfer from that terminal to the main terminal building, where you would then go into full traveler mode, check in for your international flight, and off you go. Okay, that's the kind of -of run-of-the-mill stuff. Obviously, you can combine lodges. If you do two lodges, you would fly from one into the next or road transfer from one to the next. The whole thing repeats, but the process of how you get to places will be more or less the same. Now... I've been getting questions from people obviously who've never been on safari and look, it's a great thing I think they're reaching out. I think it's phenomenal that they're asking these questions in order to manage their experience. And I think it's phenomenal whether it's from COVID or revenge travel that they wanna get out there, I think it's amazing. So I've had people ask me, okay, cool, listen, Um, I'm at the lodge, can I then go into the city for a day or so or for a lunch or something? No, you can't because these lodges are away from the main cities. If you think about it, These are big five reserves, right? There's 20 plus big mammal species in Southern Africa, South Africa specifically, all the major reserves are fenced. Okay, it's a natural ecosystem that's fenced. So it's managed, but that's a conversation for another time. But when you get there, that is your destination. You stay there. However, you're not going to be bored. Make no mistake. It's a phenomenal place to, to kick back. You'll have pool time. You'll have nap time. There's amazing drinks. The food's great. And there's the game drive activities. But you cannot go from your lodge into the city for an evening to go to a club or something? Not possible. Okay, in the same way, some people said they've booked at a lodge, for example, whatever it might be, and now they've also looked and they've seen some pretty cool lodges or, or hotels in Johannesburg. And now the question is, should I go to the hotels in the city or to the ones, or, or to the lodge? You cannot compare them, there are two different beasts. The ones in Johannesburg, if you want to do a city holiday, yes, book in the hotels in the city. If you want to stay over the night before or after your safari, yes, book in, in, in the city, right? But a hotel holiday in the city is not the same as a lodge holiday in a reserve. Those are two separate entities. They don't run next to each other. It's part of a timeline. I hope that makes sense. Right. One of the next questions that come up is, do people take cash in South Africa or in Africa for general? right so from a lodge point of view you don't need and this is something a lot of people don't understand when they come on their first safari you don't need cash while you're on your trip like you don't have to tip your guide after every game drive you don't have to pay for your drink each time you order a gin and tonic right you'll have your room number you can sign it to the room and normally these exclusive lodges specifically the ones we use that you don't even have to ask they'll do it themselves or your drinks are included the majority of them are full package. right but you don't have to have tip money for everybody on this. You can sort that out at the end if that's something that you want to do. In that case, if you do want to leave gratuities at the end, or if you want to go shopping at the, at the courier store and buy some stuff for people back home, right, you can use cash. Now, you would have to check with a specific lodge whether they are happy only for South African rands or for US dollars as well. A lot of the more upmarket, the higher-end lodges are normally happy for, for dollars, Otherwise, credit card works just as well from a gratuity point of view. And I am actually going to do a podcast down the line on gratuity specifically for the industry, how it works, what to expect, and so on. But when you want to tip your guide, the guide, your your game ranger who drove you around, or the barman or whatever the case is, you can either give them the golden handshake, give them some cash on their way up when you leave, or you can go to the lodge and do a credit card payment and you break it down. Now. 99% of the lodges are open and true and the guide, if you say you're going to give him 100 bucks he will get 100 bucks. Okay. So, the cash there is one thing. Now, someone also said, um, I've checked out Johannesburg and there's some cool bars and shops and stuff. Do they take cash? Yes, they do. But, I must be honest, I can't remember personally living in Johannesburg the last time I actually had any cash on me. I do everything by card. Like, everything. But, If you want to have cash with you for small purchases and stuff like that, you don't want to load the card, then absolutely. In Johannesburg itself, and most of the major centers, you would need South African rands though, ZAR, Uh, Z-A-R. Most shops and stuff will not take dollars. Okay, you need South African rands cash, but like I said, to me it's easier to do credit card. I literally have my phone and my card, and that's it. All right, so guys, booking a safari is a very exciting thing because you look at these pictures of the lodge, you see what you're going to experience. It's bloody amazing and all of this and that. But knowing exactly what to expect by speaking to someone like myself, like my logistics team, one of my guides, any other good company out there will make you, number one, not get stuck somewhere. Because now what happens? Seriously, what happens if you arrive at Johannesburg International, you're all psyched up to get to your lodge, you stand outside and you realize, okay, now what? How am I going to get to the lodge? You don't have a booking and so on. These things are important. So that timeline that I gave you, if you are planning your own safari, which I would not necessarily recommend because you're going to drop the ball somewhere, right? make sure on that timeline you check every single aspect, all the transfers, all the overnights, all your park fees which comes in. Check out times. Do you have enough time to get from the airstrip back to OATambo and onto your international flight? If you book with a company that does that for you, and this is what my logistics team does, you have a one stop solution. Imagine if you have all your transfers separately. Now you've got a phone. Shit, must I phone John for that transfer or was it Pete? And is it Sarah at the Lodge or one-stop solution, guys? Everything from top to bottom. One phone call. Make sure everything is there. I would also highly, highly recommend if you're planning your first safari, contact myself or one of my guides or one of the ladies in the office and ask to Zoom. Chat to someone face-to-face if that's a Zoom thing, face-to-face and Ask all your questions. More than likely, you might have thought of everything, but our guys will know what to look for, what to recommend, and just to make sure that your experience is what it can be. So, Safari Bookings 101. If you have any questions, uh, my, my contact details and the office contact details are in the description of the podcast. So hit us up, even if you've booked with someone else. Not a problem. That's fine. We just want to make sure that you have a great safari, so if we can help you just double-check the logistics, right, then let us help you. Not a problem at all. I hope this helps. Uh, Like I said, down the line, I am going to do a podcast specifically or podcast episode specifically aimed at gratuities and how it works, because it can make for very awkward situations sometimes. Um, And everything from should you tip the wildlife guides, who should you tip at the lodge, how much, and so on and so forth. We'll deal with that down the line. If there's any other aspect of booking your safari that you would like me to expand more on on a podcast. Please hit me up on Instagram or on email. Details are in the description. And if, I, if I'm busy or I can't answer your questions, I'll get one of my team who 100% will be able to answer your questions. So hope you enjoy your safari. Good luck with all the travels. Make sure you've got all the dots connected, and then it's guaranteed a phenomenal experience. As always, guys, thank you for listening. Thank you for lending me your ears. I will chat to you all in the next episode. My name is Jerry. I'm from Wild Eye. Have a good one.